0: The Antifada is more than a podcast. It's a specter haunting the globe.
1: It is the synthesis of the two most frightening things from cheerleaders of this reactionary hell world.
0: One ravaged by the unbounded savagery of capital and its states.
1: Antifa super soldiers have intifada.
0: Bash the fash of a global uprising.
1: Be prepared to enter
0: the Antifada Mindset. I'm Jamie Peck.
1: I'm Sean KB.
0: And we're here with our friend and comrade, Aaron Petkoff, who is a writer, uh, a member of the ISO, we're going to talk about that later, and just a very good friend of ours.
1: Yeah, hi everyone. Hi Aaron. Happy to be here.
0: And we are broadcasting live to tape from Left is Best headquarters, about a half hour walk away from the gentrification ravaged Gowanus Canal, in the coastal bubble of America, downtown brooklyn usa
1: yo so real talk uh remember in the car on the way over we heard that uh shitty freakonomics thing yeah right, right before that you you missed the best thing it was uh actually by the best thing i mean the worst thing it was a uh, it was npr it was freakonomics and it was about uh she so apparently oh now was that
0: when i was buying the cat food
1: yes uh-huh. yeah i uh, missed
0: so much because i'm buying the cat food
1: well missing npr isn't really missing all that much but one thing you missed was uh Instead of the glass ceiling, they now have something called the glass cliff. What? Which is if you're a woman CEO, they've done this empirical research where all of a sudden, if you get into the CEO position, it's, all, it's at the worst companies. So women Aww. might be able to break into oh that God. section of the ruling class, but like they're still getting the shittiest jobs. Aww. They can't so,
2: exploit the most people.
1: Right, exactly. Yeah. And there was this woman with a $16 million like, golden parachute, I guess it wasn't enough for her. You know, it kind of... It's very Clinton esque, right? That kind of feminism? That kind of freaking out. I would say so. Um, I think I saw maybe a copy
2: of lean in on um, in the sitting in the trash
1: on my way over here. Hell yeah.
2: <laughs> right where it belongs. <laughs> Fuck this
1: Somebody is. knows what's up. I'm not I'm not saying I'm into burning books, <laughs> but I'm into trashing them if they fucking <laughs> suck. If you had to burn a book.
0: <laughs> if I had to burn one book, it might be that one.
2: It would definitely make the
1: like the final cut.
0: <laughs> yeah. Short it would make the short list. It,
1: that one would not fall off the glass cliff Well, I, I it kind of reminded me of this blast from the past here. Uh if you guys remember, I don't know if you remember the 2016 uh, election. Mm. That was a thing, right? Do you guys remember? I do. That? Yeah. Well, there was this really great video by this awesome <laughs> um independent riot girl band called uh, La Tigra. Do you want to have a look at it real quick? It's called I'm with her. Oh,
0: boy. Yeah, let's let's listen to it. I I
3: okay, <laughs>
4: Wow. Keep going
1: Oh, You want more of that? <laughs> oh my I'm god I'm not done yet You are such a fucking Give it to me You are a massive Give it
3: to me She's with us
0: Just God, wanted to get to pantsuit wearing her historical first timer to just like show you how <sighs> how far the mighty have fallen and how Kathleen Hannah insists on ruining my childhood.
1: Well I gotta say, you know, as a as a young kid, bikini kill in the nineties was definitely in our orbit. You know, they'd come around, they tour and stuff like that. Uh I knew some of my uh female compatriots had uh riot girl zines. Very big thing to have a riot girl zine back then and I was into it, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I actually discovered Bikini Kill because somebody told me that my band sounded like them. Ooh, that's a very nice compliment. Both both posts. Do you think that you
1: could probably like reproduce? You could reproduce like a Bikini Kill song right now, like like first on the pod.
0: But I do know that I. I actually read the Riot Girl Manifesto again the other day because it was in the Trump piñata that I smashed at the Verso Books party. Ah, awesome. Call back. Someone rolled it up and put it in there. And I was like, oh, yes, yeah, so let's revisit this text that I appreciated as a child. And you know what? It's politics leaves something to be desired.
1: Were they a little saucy? Even I, in don't the wanna
0: sound, um, <laughs> I don't want to sound... I don't want to, like... Criticize a sacred cow here But like mm, Let's go Should we read it. some of it <laughs> We're not Hindus Or no. should I just Or should I just sing it
1: uh, I think you should sing For yourself Should I be sing honest. Should I sing You should sing Don't uh, make me sing uh, Don't make sing. me sing what, what are you gonna sing Sing
0: <laughs> Alright uh, Give me a beat
1: You want a beat Alright yeah. I'll, I'll drop a beat for you Here you go You ready <laughs> I
0: need Water Beer or something If I'm gonna do this Thank you oh. <laughs> I love I still love you, Bikini Kill. Oh do you I just oh god. Just reading over the Riot Girl Manifesto, it's it's very clear to me now what her politics were all along. Like, hey, you want should we read some of it to make Uh, sure that I'm not being unfair?
1: I think you're being totally fair. I think we should start this fucking show though.
0: Mm. Let me just read one. <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs>
2: <You're>, you really <laughs> let me have
1: just, a hate. You have a hate on company. Well,
0: no. Oh, oh my god. I mean, okay. In the context of not na- of the nineties,
2: I, J- I handed Jamie the Haterade. <laughs> uh,
0: I may have had a few sips of Haterade before we came in today. Mm, that's confidential. But no, fuck, man, like. I really loved Bikini Kill when I was a kid, and I still do, but, like, oh, man. It's just... Like, in the context of the 90s, I think that it was one thing, because, I mean, they were responding to an extremely sexist punk scene True. that totally. they came up in. But also, this is probably the result of a time period where the most of the important political struggles were uh, not as much to the forefront, I would say, yeah, as I stuff agree. like that we would consider more uh, liberal concerns like representation and representation. Girls in the front, <laughs> boys in the back. Yeah, so like here's here's some. Uh, because us girls crave records and books and fanzines that speak to us, that we feel included in and can understand in our own ways. All right. Because we want to make it easier for girls to see and hear each other's work, blah, blah, blah. Because we must take over the means of production in what? order to create our own moanings. I'm listening. That
1: comes out of left field because viewing
0: our work as being connected to our girlfriends, politics, real lives is essential if we're gonna figure out how what we are doing impacts, reflects, perpetuates or disrupts the status quo. Because we recognize fantasies of instant macho gun revolution as impractical lies meant to keep us simply dreaming instead of becoming our dreams and thus uh, seek to create revolution in our own lives every ooh. single day by envisioning and creating alternatives to the bullshit Christian capitalist way of doing things.
1: Bob Black called he wants his post-leftism back. <laughs> mm.
0: Because, well, let's see, let's, let's let's hear her out. Because we want and encourage to, and to... Uh, I fucked that up because we want and need to encourage and to be encouraged in the force of our own securities, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Wait, let me get to the another one with capitalism in it Um, because we hate capitalism in all its forms and see our main goal is sharing information and staying alive instead of making profits or being cool according to traditional standards. But then like, okay. Then here's the last one, because I believe with my whole heart, mind, body that girls constitute a revolutionary soul force that can and will change the world for real, which is like great. It's great. I love music made by women. I think it's great. I like girls to the front. I'm a girl. I want to be in the fucking front. Yeah. But like, how are you going to say you hate capitalism in all its forms and then say, but the only thing you should do to fight capitalism is to like make zines in music.
2: Or to be like, or to take, wait, do they say take over the means of production as in yeah. like everyone? Or do they mean like women being the heads of the means of production or something?
0: Uh,
2: they of, leave I mean, it a bit up it. in
0: the air, who's taking over the means of production. A lot of this sounds like, but um, like,
2: like, it's hard to disagree with, and it's understandable in the context of like the macho scene, but then like, yeah, the solutions that they're offering are like... Better
1: music. I feel like, they on,
2: music. Yeah.
1: I feel like on, that, on the means of production mm-hmm. thing, uh, Kathleen Hanna read the uh, Black Panther Party platform. And that was like one of the yeah. things included in it, which is the most radical and awesome thing, but it wasn't about the be- the ability to make your own moanings. It was it about, wasn't about like uh, be able to, being able to like create their own, you know, like Black Panther was, black was not community. the <laughs>
0: <laughs> ultimate manifestation of that plank in the platform <laughs> of the Black Panthers. Let's just say that.
2: Well, this is a as
1: really, as
0: much neat. as some people might like to think well, so. You haven't
2: seen it, Jamie. You haven't seen it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. I'm sure it's very good.
1: Now, you said uh, you left that, that uh, politics thing just kind of hanging in the air, you know, like uh, when you talked about what, what Aaron's uh, affiliations are, you're like, we're going to talk about that later.
2: But I have a <laughs> short little,
1: little thing on that. Um, when we first met Aaron, how many years ago was that? A couple a years ago? A few years right? ago. Couple a couple years, of few. would you say? Two or three, yeah. Yeah. How did we meet all of us? Was it you?
0: We met through a friend of ours. A, Fire Island. a mutual <gasps> ah, friend. A friend
1: of ours. Yes, that's right. That friend who and shall not be mentioned. he
0: came to on a trip. Oh, yeah, that's right. She was like, can I bring my friend Aaron? And I was like, I don't know. I've never met him before. Is he cool? And then I met him, and he was cool.
1: Well, I just remember, and this goes back to the politics thing, that when I first met Aaron, I thought he was mad cool. And I was like, uh, I heard he was like in the ISO. And I was like, he's my favorite trot. You know, I said that kind of like half jokingly, like, he was my favorite trot. But then as time went on, I realized that you're not just my favorite trot, you're also a friend and a comrade. So you went from an abstraction to actually, like, I don't know, you're my favorite everything. Dialectics, baby. That's it. They were. <laughs> <laughs> We've synthesized it.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> Basically, I'm the platonic ideal of the synthesis. That's mm-hmm. it. You're so the negation of the negation. I'm the negation. <laughs> I'm the negation. <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> so um, here's a question that I like to ask everybody all the time, but especially on this show. Aaron, how, I, I just like to check in. It's, it's always important to check in with yourself. That's right. Um, and Aaron, I would like to know... How pure is your hate today?
2: Uh, Pure and uncut, baby. Mm.
0: Yeah, That's what we like to hear.
2: (laughs) I have nothing to add to
1: that. It's like some brick right off the boat. It's like pure, uncut, Peruvian flake hate, like uh, (laughs) Bolivian marching powder flake
2: yeah the same the same some, some, some Brooklyn dirt chopped up with uh, <laughs> drywall
1: this is shit you get in Miami man. they're not selling you fucking uh, uh, dishwashing flakes
2: this
0: hate is fire <laughs>
2: it's lit
1: this shit my fucking my my the left side of my face is numb from how pure your hate is <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. Well, that said, I, I, I love that uh, we have some purity of hate here because if the Antifada stands for anything, it stands for absolute hatred of uh, almost everything um, except the people we like and love and the ideas we hold dear. And also music and culture and cats. fun and cats and all those oh, sorts of, of, of things. Oh, speaking of hate. What, what do you got for us? Um, You, you, are, kn- <laughs> you got the RSS feed on your hate. <laughs>
0: Yes, I have the, my Google alerts are popping right now. Um you guys know those uh, Fiverr ads, those terrible Fiverr ads like uh, you drink coffee for you eat coffee for lunch and you never sleep and sleep deprivation make is your favorite 5 dollars an hour and you fucking love it, you love it.
2: Yeah. And you're
0: like, "Thank you, sir. May I have another?" <laughs> you like it, don't
2: like you? Pure abstract like pure like pure beings of 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 neoliberal uh subjectivity. Like yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, very
0: it's like a very uh SNM like you will get nothing and you like it.
1: It's not only like like everyone everyone's become a uh an independent contractor nowadays in this really precarious economy, but now you're supposed to not only have an app for it, you know, so you can sell your labor for $5 a task, but also have advertising when you're on your way to your shitty job that like celebrates your precarity you know yeah. like, it's just fucking galling. Well, well there's one like
2: horny for business <laughs> oh yes yeah, cer-
0: certainly uh well it's funny you bring that up because i saw somebody uh has been writing their own annotations onto these subway ads and there's an article in the village voice that has pictures of some of them and then i have some more on my facebook like there's one with a girl um, I guess it's woke because she's like wearing a he- Muslim headscarf or something. There's Representation a, says, does matter. Uh, Nothing like a safe, reliable paycheck to crush your soul.
2: Those are good, actually. Mm. Most people want Nothing
0: those. I hate more. <sighs> Nothing fucks my life up more than more just than payday. getting money <laughs> on the
2: rag. No, no disrespect to my... Uh, payday I- again? <laughs> oh, man.
1: So, I so, thought no, I was doing this for free. No, no disrespect to my IWW uh, anti-contract people, but I really like my union contract. I really like how many you know how every hour every minute that I work is accounted for I get benefits for it Mm. and payday arrives and if they lay me off they have to give me a check on the fucking spot that I can take home. but anyway. Get out but, of Sean, here. but Sean,
2: have you considered having your wages stolen?
1: I mean, have you just given
2: a, <laughs> don't knock it until you try it? Is there an app? apparently? Is
1: there an app for that? <laughs> because apparently, Dear. I heard that Fiverr takes a percentage and then PayPal does too. Noob so the creators of Fiverr. <laughs> <laughs> it's thiever.
4: <laughs> oh my god! Oh,
1: you just made your first fucking billion right there, man. Uh-oh.
0: So somebody has been put that Wyatt
1: Coke shirt <laughs>
0: annotating these subway ads. Like the one I was just describing, someone wrote in Sharpie, join a union, fight together for higher pay. And then on the other side, it says, that's why Fiverr only wants to pay freelancers $5 per task. Low wages for all, says Fiverr. Fuck that. and there are there there are more there's oh yeah oh fuck this one says uh, somewhere someone is planning a meeting about taking immediate action and it says Hmm. on the side in West Virginia teachers went on strike and won higher pay is that immediate enough for you oh
1: yeah yeah. immediate (laughs) and direct direct action gets the goods that's right that's true. Immediate action gets you a meeting, <laughs> maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then there's another one. I mean, they pretty much wrote the same thing on all of them. There's this other one. It says, how much did you make for your boss today? Like, nobody's making anything off of owning Fiverr.
1: How much <laughs> yeah, did you right. make your boss today? Like, I for your boss today, I thought about making one of those QR code things. And when you swiped it, you know, putting the sticker on the ad, and then when you swiped it, it took you to the volumes of capital about surplus labor and <laughs> the working day. <laughs> it's like yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> it's like
2: a, oh my god, what's his name? The those little uh, those uh, chick chick tracks. What's but that? Like, you know, the chick tracks like the religious like comics that people would hand out to you in the subway. Oh or yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, But you could like do that, but with like capital.
1: Yes. Hell yeah, that would be lit. I think
0: we just found our first uh, project. That yeah, we, if can, only we can have a with
2: freelancer that could uh, all of our do paper.
0: the graphic
1: design for us, where <laughs> fol- <laughs> could we find <laughs> If only we had an intern have. that we could pay $5 per <laughs> task. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Antifada will someday get to the point where it can exploit other people's labor power.
2: <laughs> the Antifada. You know, you'll <laughs> know, you'll, know you'll, you'll have made it when you have like an army of, uh, an army of unpaid interns just Hell doing yeah. everything for you. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, our
1: house is pretty messy. Mm. The litter boxes need to be changed. Oh, definitely. Our car's a little dirty right now. Probably could use an oil change coming up. Antifada. I
0: I think we just need a gimp.
1: (sighs) Yeah, there's a gimp, but then there's also selling out. I mean, selling out is like having like uh, abstract gimp. You know, like having a gimp is like, you know, concrete labor. But selling out, you get like all that abstract labor. You get the cash, cash nexus, that money power. You know, you guys are yeah. buying
2: in. I think you guys are buying in. <laughs>
1: we're leaning and in, also, buying in, <laughs> and also out. you
0: don't. But then you don't get the joy of giving it the gimp a pallet of hay to sleep on. <laughs> you know, you're providing. You're we're job creators.
1: So what you're arguing is that if there, if you're gonna have feudalism like Fiverr, you should just have it be direct and have somebody sleeping on a pallet of hay. Directly yeah. under your personal domination. Exactly. Boom. All right.
0: So, um, <laughs> I'm pretty turned on right now, guys. <laughs> has any anyone... slow your roll?
1: But the bathroom is over there if you want to go visit. It.
0: So, has anyone seen any good shows lately? Any great music shows?
1: Um, I'll I'll let Aaron and you jump in in a minute, but I'll state for the record that I am really old, and I also get up really early for work. So oh, I. Oh, I know. Yeah, you know. I'm usually waking up, my alarm's going off as you're going to sleep. <laughs> it's an interesting, it's an interesting phenomenon. However, uh, I will say I, I don't get to as many shows as when I used to uh, you know go to punk and hardcore shows back in the day, or when I used to play in bands or go to shows and stuff like that. I say the last great show I've been to was probably like a year or so ago, maybe more than that, when I saw the Mekons live. Oh, no. It was fucking lit. That band was is so too. fucking good. good. It was good. They're so fucking good. Good leftist fucking awesome punk rock. What do they call it? Cow punk music. So yeah, my you guys are better than me in terms of this question because my shit goes back like, I saw a great show in 2016. <laughs> so go, go ahead, Aaron.
2: Oh, I mean, uh, I haven't actually been to a show in a few weeks, but the last like really amazing show I saw was uh, was Uniform playing at Saint Vitus. Oh, fuck yeah! Yeah, I love Uniform. what's Uniform. Uh, I don't know how you describe them. I guess they're like they used they're to be like a, a noise
0: band. They're not a two piece anymore.
2: No, they have a live drummer now. Oh, beats,
0: but, sick. I haven't yeah. seen them with a drummer
2: yet. I think it was
1: their first show, their first live show yeah, with the drummer.
2: Nice. Yeah. Noise
1: how like Einstein's in the or like... Uh, uh, it's like, I mean, I guess it, it's like industrial
0: It's like industrial noise, screamy kind of uh,
2: music. Ben Greenberg from The Men. I've uh, known Ben
0: since I was in college, by the way. Well, Fun I saw fact. Him, I
2: saw him that one night we went to like... Now see... he's dating
0: our friend Jess.
2: Oh, I saw him that one night we went to, like, Brooklyn Bazaar to see Pharmacon. And, yeah. And I, but I thought that he was, like, some guy from Psychic TV. And I was like... Urgh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Uh, it was pretty, like, silly. But, I mean, that band's amazing. They produce so much energy in the venue, just, like, amongst... I mean, I, I never saw them as a two-piece. But they seem like they could just fill an entire room of thousands of people with, like, just raw noise. energy and noise. Rage. Totally. Um, rage with the machine <laughs> have you
0: ever
1: thought about
2: <laughs> raging with the machine that's so out dude.
1: that's how you get interns uh,
2: i have saw you ever them about running around the family without a pocket full of change <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, i just gotta mix it up a little sometimes yeah, throw a bunch of things at the wall and see what sticks no i saw them at the sacred bones festival where i ended up taking acid in a really inadvised fashion and um just had to leave in tears after zola jesus played but um earlier in the day i took a nice instagram video of uniforms set and i said um if the new york times is here there were sh- they will surely describe this as a thrilling denouement because <laughs> 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 it was the end and they were all like ah! i'm like, oh. If this, is, if this isn't if this is a thrilling denouement, I do not know what is in the eyes no, of the times. There
1: was no anti-climax. It was all climax. Yeah, all the time.
0: Yeah. Um, I went to a good show, too, the other night.
1: Tell us more. At
0: uh, Brooklyn Bazaar, actually. Saw a great old gu- uh, dark wave band from the 80s called Clan of Zymox. Oh, interesting. They are Dutch. Oh, yeah. I think there's some Germans in that band as that well now. Answering. Um,
1: Sounds like a, like a game, like a app-based game uh, that you yeah. <laughs> try to fight people. You build a town and you go off and you uh, attack other people's shit. And there's lots of farming involved. But no, I'm sorry, go on.
0: I mean, there could be. They would probably be into that.
2: But um, it it was Isaac Asimov paperback.
0: Yeah, (laughs) totally. Totally. I went with Boy Jamie. We do love our
1: leftist hard sci-fi on this show. But anyways.
0: Oh, yes. I I went with Boy Jamie and his girlfriend, Amelia. And we were me and Boy Jamie looked around and we were like pleasantly surprised to note that we felt young at a show for the first time in a while.
1: (laughs) Welcome to getting old. As well
0: as underdressed because it was just a bunch of like. Extremely elegant, goth elders, gothic elder elders. The elders of the elders of Zymox. Were at the show. They were at a
1: full. That's force, some HP Lovecraft, and I loved it. <laughs> I've been
2: sad since you were a dark twinkle in your parents' eye. <laughs> the exactly. Opposite of a twinkle.
0: <laughs> uh, I don't know. I gotta look up some antonyms on my computer. I've... I've completely destroyed my memory bank for this kind of thing. I don't think there is a dark Twinkle. I think that's the whole point. It's like a Twinkle. <laughs> I mean, yeah.
1: Twinkle's the new app I'm going to create. I've been, gonna, uh, I've been create. sad
0: since you were astigmatism in your parents' eyes. I'm
1: like going to create the Twinkle app. It uh, hooks up uh, young men with uh, <laughs> other smooth men.
4: Mm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: caught that. Just completely <laughs> cut that joke. It was not funny. <laughs> and it was vaguely homophobic. So, Matt, ah, cut that out.
0: He'll, he'll do what he wants. Leave
4: it up. No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, Matt, Matt would know. He's our staff twunk. <laughs> <laughs> See, now he's really
1: going to put that in because you made fun of
0: him. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so speaking of music. Wait, what does that mean? That?
1: <laughs> if a twinkle is a twinkle.
0: <laughs> Perhaps.
1: When I was Perhaps. just a twinkle in my father's eyes.
0: <laughs> also, I made. I, You're drunk. <laughs> we, were, we were talking the other day about um, whether or not they have twinks in DC. Because, like, I just think of DC as being so shitty and lame. I'm like, do they even have twinks in DC? <laughs> and I was like, you know what, babe? I bet they're twonks. They love policy and Uh, tiny underwear.
1: They're twonks. Is that what you mean? Like like twink Like a bunch of like (laughs) Ezra Klein
0: looking motherfuckers in like go-go boots and thongs just like grinding around listening to social security reports, you know?
2: you ever lived in D.C.? Fuck no. Uh, I did an internship there like when I was in college. Uh.
1: I mean... No, I mean, you have to do what you got to do. I understand. But D.C., on oh, will I worked
2: on some cool stuff when I was there, but, man, that is the only place on the entire planet where people... Like, you'll meet, like, a 24-year-old at a punk show, and they'll be, like, working on healthcare policy. Oof. And, like, they really believe that the U.S. government says that it works exactly like it says it does. Yeah. And uh. yeah, it was astoundingly alienating i've never been more angry at any single like in a geographic location in my life that's fair it is the
1: worst place on the planet i totally believe that burning yeah. to the ground yeah that's actually you know not to go horseshoe through just
0: kidding <laughs>
1: That is something that the, uh, the I just right got a text oh. from the FBI.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: if we Stay weren't on a list
1: <laughs> before, we definitely are now. As John Bolton said about the UN,
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a little topical right there. So, uh,
0: speaking of um, Washington D.C. and politics, D.C. hardcore anger and rage. Um, I thought we could talk a little bit about music and politics, uh, especially the kinds of music that we listen to during our political development as youngsters in this world?
1: That's a really good question. Um, I don't know how many of us um, really had a youthful political um, musical life. Aaron, did you have one? Uh,
2: I mean, I grew up like, Listening to, uh, yeah, I mean, I grew up listening to like a like plenty of punk. I mean, I had my my Anti-Flag phase. I Hell had my,
1: yeah, yo, that first
2: Anti-Flag was fucking lit. I don't really remember much of it, but it was like a pretty quick jump from that to Crass to. Yep. Hell yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, to my favorite political band, The Strokes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know what? In
0: a way... That New
1: York City cops song, were, really good, though. Very, Too bad it got cut from the record.
0: <laughs> they were very emblematic of a certain kind of anti-politics that arose in the post-Iraq era,
2: post-9-11 era. It was like the, the the period where, like, sincerity and... I mean, it really drove me nuts. Like, I didn't really have, like, a strong sense of, like... I mean, I had a strong sense of irony, but like, what I really wanted from music was just like anger and passion and like some sense of direction. And I, Lame. Still, yeah, I know. I mean, that I, I still loved that album, but it was your. I mean, it's totally right. Like that was like the era of like. Sincerity's lame. Caring
1: about
0: stuff sucks.
1: Well, isn't that? We're talking about This Is It, right? By the Strokes that yeah, came I mean? out is in this like. This it? Yeah. it. Which it might in...
0: end up being the title of my book, by the way.
1: Oh, God.
0: <laughs> is this. Is it? Julian
1: Casablanca going to sign off on it? Do you have to sleep with him for that?
0: I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> He's done very well for himself, yeah, though, for I mean, a man with such a listen. weak chin and uh,
1: <laughs> for a really band that's, just
0: kind of a mediocre face. For
1: a band that started out in the ruling class and ended up back in the ruling class, they did a great job, because they were all rich kids. They worked
2: really hard to get where they were. Yeah, I yeah, mean, started from the top, and we're still at <laughs> the top. <laughs> well,
1: Imagine they all, that. They, most of them met, I think, in boarding school in Switzerland, which is also my backstory, how I got into punk, too. No, oh, yeah. that's not, <laughs> not at all true. Um,
0: Yo, back, why don't you talk about the sitting cool... Sitting
1: in the back of the class at Exeter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, the the, <laughs> the basement of Cho- Rosemary Hall, we used to get fucking lit, dude. We used to <laughs> fucking take bomb We used rips. to play them in soccer. Did you? Yeah. That's I mean impressive.
0: Not me, because I was intramural, but <laughs> other people.
1: You used to play like um recorder or something at their assemblies because you were a nerd?
0: Something like that. Yeah. So, I I was not into music nearly as cool as you guys were. Um, I...
1: (laughs) <laughs> what, what, the only things he mentioned were, we're like, like anti-flag, what? crass, and the strokes. <laughs> <laughs> Real cool. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you, wa- <laughs> have, you
0: haven't heard my picks yet, okay?
1: Yeah. I, uh, Aaron just put on <laughs> his Ray-Bans, just so everybody knows. So. <laughs> He's also wearing a cool uh, black uh, jean jacket and a Venom t-shirt, I believe.
0: Yeah.
1: Rock and roll. Showing metal.
0: a little a little man cleavage there, too. Hell
1: yeah. He Got is a
0: few a f- curlies poking out there
1: he is one sexy man
0: mm-hmm. he is
1: my favorite sexy truck
0: he was even sexier in the coke shirt ago. Yeah, y'all could see that picture on my, instagram. Yo, on my instagram check it out let's get those hearts going
4: <laughs> fashion
2: design is my passion <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my god that and
2: radical politics So
0: yeah. do you, wait do you want to go first babe or should, should I go next I'm talking about oh, or blame What what radicalized you I know you want to talk about that Was there a band, any particular band that got you really into, like, smashing the state?
1: (laughs) Funny you should ask. Um, I'm not at all embarrassed by this because I believe it was the year 1993, and I was 13 years old. And there was a music video that came out on MTV. And let me just preface this by saying, too, that, you know, I I had that suburban ennui. You know, I had a little bit of hate built up inside of me already when I was a, a young teen. I was looking for something to rebel against. I knew the world was a little fucked up, but when you're 13, you don't even really know why you're angry at stuff. You just got all those hormones. Maybe your cerebral cortex is a little more advanced. You can see shit a little better than you could before. And then one day I was um, watching music television. Back when music television, you used to play those uh, music videos. And uh, this song came on, this uh, Rage Against the Machine song. It was the... um, Video for Freedom, which um, featured the uh, history of uh, the American Indian movement and the incarceration of Leonard Peltier. And I remember watching this when I was a kid and not really knowing what the politics really were and like what it meant, but knowing that whatever that was all about, that's something that I wanted to get down with.
0: Do we have some sound for that? <laughs>
1: You'll probably remember this one, right? If you have a certain age. Look, check it out, Pioneer Reservation. Got some archival footage of it Also too, I should say that um at this point in time too, you know, they, they were kind of in the in um, the hardcore scene. A lot a lot of my hardcore friends, actually Zach Delaroche, I believe was in a hardcore band, right? Before that, what were they called? It? They were like a straight edge you know, right? From um, the DC. Uh, no, it was, it was in up. LA. They were on yeah. Revelation Records. Yes. Inside Out? Yeah, Inside Out. Inside Out. Oh, Alright, what was the name of their album? Ah. You're going way fucking back in time, though. But yeah, like, they come out of heartbreak, And, um. No, I mean, they have, like, real. They have, like, not only do they have, like, real music credentials, <laughs> but they have, like, real political credentials. Seriously. Especially, again, you know, when you're 13 years old. You know, I see this band, uh, you know, playing on stage and, and you know, very charismatic. But then also, too, at the same time, there's this amazing, you know, propaganda aspect to the whole video. People should really watch it at home. Um, it's uh, it's pretty incredible if you haven't seen it. Now, my politics, you know, go beyond this, but as a starting point for a 13 year old, fucking incredible, you know. And um, I really got into that. I really got into Rage Against the Machine. Even though, you know, I didn't know they're talking about the American Indian movement and the First Peoples. I didn't know about that history or anything like that. But I saw for the first time a form of rebellion that matched my suburban ennui that wasn't just kind of like stupid and lame. You know, there was something there. I, and I knew that. Um, they're an easy band that you can like pick on because, like,
2: you know, like people like Paul Ryan are like, This is what oh. I love to listen Ugh. to when I'm doing reps or something does, like that. Doesn't make any sense to me, but, but yeah, I mean, I think there's, I mean, I think that there's like something about like the style that I can, I mean, I can understand their point is, is they're an easy band to make fun of or pick on mm. once in a while in mm-hmm. a mainstream setting, but it doesn't, but that shouldn't like count against like the fact that you had this band, like what you're talking about, that like had serious politics that was like up on stage, like. They, they. I mean, they matched like the mood and the moment, and they were able to attract this mass audience in this mainstream way while talking about like, yeah, Leonard Leonard Peltier and telling people to read Howard Zinn and mm-hmm. like, you know, they're like, you know, sell out some like massive music festival and then be like, read Noam Chomsky. That's right, amazing.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah! And it was so '90s too, right? Like it was, it was really their politics was the zeitgeist of like '93, you know, '94, '95. So like, you know, I found that and and that really got me addicted to. Um, I don't know what you would call it rebellious music political music or whatever but um it was a quick jump from there into punk rock like Aaron said I got super into crass record shit but before that too I I got into um, uh, rancid big time again they not only had a uh, you know this aesthetic too that 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 classic punk rock aesthetic which is really cheesy looking back on you know it's just like a uniform like any other but um They also, too, um, you know, talked about poverty. They talked about uh, rebellion and shit like that. So another huge song for me was off of their first record, uh, Let's Go. And Aaron, I don't know if you... Do you remember this song, Harry Bridges?
2: I wasn't actually... uh, I never really went through a hard rant.
1: Oh, my God. Not only... Yo, guys. Not only will I play a a tiny bit of this for you guys, but I'm also going to read you the lyrics because... This, like, separates them from Green Day, right? Which did not mm. really have any politics at all, except, like, jerking off and being fucking rich and douchebags. Well, or, but... Oh, uh, tell me. Uh, well, Billy Joe, Mar- Billy Joe
2: Armstrong was in Pinhead Gunpowder with this guy, Mike Kirsch, who is super political. And, um, and uh, Mike Kirsch uh, uh, came out as trans a couple of years before they died a few years ago. Oh. As, hmm. uh, and changed her name to Sarah Kirsch. But their bands this is like crazy they were in these amazing uh, Sarah Kirsch was in these amazing bands um, one of them was uh, please inform the captain this is a hijack another <laughs> band called Bader Brains huh. after uh, uh, Bader from like Bader Meinhof from like the Red oh, shit. Yeah, B-A-I-D-E-R <laughs> yeah Bader nice. Brains uh, and another band called uh, Mother Country Motherfuckers
4: huh. I had but no just, idea like,
2: super heavy amazing like anarchist punk but this person, Sarah Kirsch, was in Pinhead Gunpowder with Billy Joe Armstrong. So, so he like... should
1: have fucking known that. Totally. Then. They oh, broke what? up
2: because of uh, Green
1: Day out. Or so, yeah. I mean, that whole thing, too. Like, that kind of separated shit for me, too. There was the bands that were, like, you know, political, even in, like, the stupid, like, anarcho-peace punk sort of way. But um Isn't you know, this it
0: American Idiot like a Broadway musical now? <sighs> I swear to God I'm not making that up. No,
1: you're probably right. I mean,
2: <laughs> that, wasn't a, that was like I, a Broadway musical a few years ago.
1: Right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it was some years ago and I remember during Occupy Billy Joe Armstrong was, um, was really um he had, there was an interview with him where he talked shit on Occupy. He's like, you know rich people aren't all bad. Some of us do really good shit. But uh you know what oh God. fucking Tim Armstrong no relation did with his money with Rancid You know, I don't think DIY is like the end all and be all of shit, but he did take his money and he made Epitaph Records, which was huge in the 90s and still exists today. Right. Like tons of good bands came out of it. So he puts his money back. And I think maybe the the difference you could see in their politics comes out in uh, this song, Harry Bridges, the good communist, you know, named after the good communist on their first record. Let's go
3: just like
1: actually like read the lyrics to you guys, right? Um I think you'll both appreciate this as people with good leftist politics. So here's here it is. Bloody Thursday was July 5th. The pigs killed three workers. Harry Bridges grabbed the mic. The city shut down July 6th. The workers' outrage was a general strike. The media claimed that the commies were taking over. Some believed it was true. Three uncompromising strikes paved the way. Minneapolis, San Francisco, Toledo. Over and over, the doors are locked and the windows are broken. Eddie worked for General Motors, and he swore that he'd never lose his job again a union man who owned his own own home in beautiful Flint, Michigan. Eddie lost his job. Eddie lost his wife. Eddie lost his self-esteem. The last time I saw Eddie, he was living in the trailer park again. So basically, you know, what Rancid is doing, and again, this is an influence on my politics, is they're bringing back this memory, you know, in the Bay Area of the fucking general strike wave of 1934, which was the most heroic year i think of the american working class in labor history right he even mentions minneapolis and toledo which were these humongous beautiful amazing general strikes hey don't hear
0: green day doing that
1: no so then he takes it of course and then you're from you're from uh detroit so right he takes it and then he talks about you know bringing up to the current day talking about union workers losing their jobs uh, uh in flint michigan so, you know, that for me I think is uh real politics and I was drawn to that. I'm not saying Rancid is the best political band. I I got into a lot of crass record shit too. This very kind of um I don't know this peace punk, you know, crusty bullshit where I don't know is all about fight wars not war and, you know, rebelling and uh yada yada yada.
2: Well, I guess this kind of like makes me wonder like about I feel like after Trump was uh, after like Trump was elected and inaugurated there was like a lot of conversation about like oh like punk's going to get good again or something like that <laughs> like all we needed was like another George W Bush to make punk like better or something like that when like the the dominant kind of form of like po- of like politics I guess like there's this one there's a, a certain thing where like you know like we were listening to La Tigra earlier and obviously like I mean I loved La Tigra oh, that I was love an amazing them too. Yeah. that was an amazing band but like the politics of like sort of punk at that moment never really went far beyond like you know like uh uh like uh, anybody but bush i'll
1: just i'll just finish and say you know my my music evolved a lot from then but like you know my teens i think punk rock really grounded me and it took me many years after that to actually get a sort of uh theoretical background and ideological background to this sort of knee-jerk you know anti-authoritarian uh impulse but um One short little funny story is there used to be a punk house in town called the Chupacabra, you know, like Chupacabra. In what town? uh, It was a small town that I won't mention for InfoSec reasons.
3: Oh, okay.
4: But
1: uh, it was the punk house, and uh, we used to go there and party. And I remember getting fucking hammered one night off of Mad Dog 2020, and they were playing this uh, cassette tape, uh, this VHS tape, because this is like 1997 or something like that of uh, I think it was this band called 10,000 Dirty Squatters, which is an awesome name for a band. (laughs) Yeah. And um, (laughs) we're all sitting around there just getting fucking hammered, and we were watching, it took me years to realize what it was, but we were watching fucking videos, you know, this punk, you know, crusty punk rock playing over uh, these videos of the poll tax riots in Britain, which were fucking huge, right? And, you know... I think what ultimately showed the the shallowness of the politics of politics of that is that all of us, you know, kids with ass flaps and fucking spikes in our hair like wearing leather jackets and like, you know, studs and shit like that. um, All we could think was like, whoa, fucking Britain's got crazy politics, man. Look at them beating up fucking cops on horses and shit like that with absolutely no context for the amount of organization it took uh, on the left. For people to organize against uh, Thatcher's poll tax, and the riot in Trafalgar Square had, had an actual real left context. That for us as punks, it was just spectacle. You know, like we thought it was just fucking great. You know, just people beating up cops, people fucking shit up, smashing windows. Uh, I think that the as, as far as that as music and politics, punk rock, hardcore, whatever it is, can take you um it can't take you all the way unless it's really really didactic which then gets really fucking boring
2: totally right it becomes like this point where like politics or like the music becomes more like a pamphlet than like it right. becomes like more of, like a pamphlet than a song i feel yeah. like if that's the case then you just write the fucking pamphlet <laughs>
1: exactly <Yeah. laughs> It's like, so write the but... right uh, mm. girl uh as a
0: product of suburbia i must say i wasn't hip i wasn't cool Uh, We were really just starting to have the internet when I was in high school, back in the early, early 2000s, the Halcyon days, the Bush years, the late 90s even. But um, I was real into Fiona Apple in seventh grade. She was very influential in my decision to go vegetarian, which is something that I have stuck to pretty hard, pretty hardcore. Like I just started eating fish and seafood again, like last year. But that's like a good long run of it from age 12 to 32. Hell yeah. It's 20 fucking years. I still haven't eaten land flesh since I was 12. Unless you count, ooh, I did eat snails for the first time yesterday.
2: Eh, it's, Do it's snails a bit of a, count? It's a bit of a gray area. They're in a shell. They go in and out, too. I mean, they, you know, they're not going into dry places. They're kind of like fish.
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs>
1: they're just sponges uh, to soak up butter and garlic, Oh, really. my
0: God, it was so good. And then I spent the evening in gastric distress. Like, from then until just about now. I've seen it. It's almost like my people weren't meant to eat shellfish. (laughs) Shell creatures. (laughs) 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 So happy (laughs) Passover. Ah, Thank you. Gracias. Gracias, amigos. Um, Let's see. Ani DeFranco was also a big one for me as, like, a young, budding uh, bisexual. (laughs) 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 She was really into being bisexual. And at that point in time, so was I. I think I've I've softened my identity a bit since then. I'm I'm one of those sexually fluid millennials who just like doesn't think about it that much because I'm privileged.
1: But wasn't the '90s a really good time though for um like breaking more sexual mores? Oh, it
0: was the golden age of bisexuals. I feel like that's I don't say that ironically. I say that very how many people do you know now who identify as bi? i'm bi
1: <laughs> okay so you're gonna lose like at least 15 percent of goes, our audience there goes our bi <laughs> well, audience say,
0: they say they're queer or like pan amorous i don't know polyamorous,
1: I ha- polyamorous I haven't, maybe
0: i'm just running furries. in some very advanced circles but like i haven't heard anyone say that in a while but if you are like good for you that's you, great.
2: You get advanced. Once you gain enough experience, you're able to graduate out of like by university and go. Into, like, <laughs> well, because now we know there
0: are more than two genders. Mm. A few years ago, Obama wrote a decree creating at least four or five more was, genders in coalition ex- with Mark Zuckerberg. It was
1: an executive order, right? Hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah, he signed executive his order 69. gay
1: Muslim
3: <laughs>
0: executive <laughs> order
1: to create
0: uh, a number a number of genders in <laughs> addition to the man and the woman. <laughs> in addition to man and woman.
1: We need Evo Psych like Nero back so he can tell us about oh when God. humans came down to the savannah. There were only two genders. But anyway.
0: So um, <laughs> I was also a goth if uh, if you can believe that.
2: Surprise. And yeah, Cal Sapries you still are.
0: <laughs> I was really into, I mean, first, first Tori Amos and then Nine Inch Nails and Marilyn Manson and I was really jealous of the artists who were raised Catholic because there was so much there was such a rich history of like people making all this like fucked up Baroque art about how fucked up they were from being raised Catholic. And there was no Jewish equivalent of that. Really.
1: <laughs> Woody <laughs> Allen movies. Like,
4: I, I
0: felt very oppressed by my parents. You uh, and Liz
1: Bruni were the only people at that time that were, uh, so yeah, they weren't Catholic.
0: <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I felt very oppressed by my parents. Oh, and Clarence Thomas. Extremely. Humanistic reform version of Judaism, like, where's the music for that? Yeah, Where I, I ask you, <laughs> I you was also to make s- sad, tribe, <laughs>
2: sad, sad music for members of tribe. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm. What you
0: ever heard that term? Mm-mm. Be the oh. change you want to, oh, for members of the tribe, yes, yeah, i am, of the be I tribe. the I am change familiar. you want to see.
1: Maybe you need to make that band,
0: yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe that'll be my project. I hate going to temple once a year <laughs> fuck my parents I'm not having a bat mitzvah I didn't fun fact Yeah, it's I think true. my dad's still that. mad at me he's I think mad. he's still sore about it when I called to ask
1: uh, her father if I could marry her which I did in a very traditional way he said she'd have to get the bat mitzvah first and I told him, I said, "Sorry." No,
3: he didn't.
1: No, he didn't do that. But that would have been funny, though, right? Like, if he um, wanted you to get it done at like thirty,
0: I'm, I'm afraid Jamie never became a woman, so you cannot take is, her as a
1: bride. It's
0: gonna be a little. Un- we don't do child brides around these parts, so sorry.
1: So when, until <laughs> it's
0: gonna be a little untoward.
1: Go ahead, Aaron, say the horrible thing you were gonna say. Mm-hmm. No, no, <laughs> mouth closed. All right.
0: I'm a 33 year old girl. Child <laughs> <laughs> explains a lot, right? Um, Also, speaking of girls, uh, I was very into Slater Kinney, which is something that I still stand behind. I still remember actually the first time I heard Slater Kinney, uh, I was in the car with my mom and this song came on the college radio station that we used to listen to the car in my mom's Volvo yeah
1: college radio was lit in the 90s yeah. too yeah
0: it was either University of Hartford or uh, Trinity College Radio this was in the early 2000s but they had a they had an album that was pretty political like explicitly so and this one song was pretty good it's called Combat Rock you want to play a little bit of it they're so fucking got back together and i finally got to go see them unfortunately it was at fucking terminal five where i don't ever wish to go again that's and all, i don't need that's to all go there inside,
1: that's all inside baseball for our american audience yeah
0: all right well just just take my word for it it's the worst venue don't ever go there if you can help it um also another anti-war song that i really enjoyed this was a, a real moment i was very proud of my boyfriend when he did this um a band called Bright Eyes that <laughs> had a, a pretty political album, bless their hearts, called I'm Wide Awake It's Morning. And during the promo for this album, which was like pretty, pretty big, about as big as an indie rock band could be at that point in time, which was to say, they played on some late night talk shows. This song was not even on the album that he was promoting, but Connor Ober's played it anyway on uh, The Tonight Show with Jay Leno. It's called When the President Talks to God. And I thought that that was like the coolest thing ever. Most people thought it was lame at the time because it wasn't cool to be political or care about stuff. And like, admittedly, some of the lyrics are kind of dumb. But you know what? He was trying his best. Let's listen to it right now.
3: Wide right Awake, you guys it's have morning and digital email. ash. Uh, oh, God, Jay Lennon. Tonight he's singing his critically acclaimed Full Shot Stone. Please welcome Bright Eyes.
1: Not Conor Ogre's Jay Lennon. He's fucking
3: right.
0: Look at my boyfriend. Look how cute he
1: looks. Doing his best, Bob. Day. Yeah, exactly.
3: When the president talks to god are the conversations brief or long does he ask to rape our women's rights and send poor farm kids off to die does god suggest an oil hike when the president what's an oil hike who cares he's adorable
2: he was trying
3: when the president <laughs> he was doing his talks one, he can see to god are the conversations hard or, is that, or soft um... Is he I mean, you could do something
1: like this in uh, well,
3: 2003 every rather, black like, or 2004, like really direct for it, lead God up or whatever. And ever everyone could
1: hate it at the time, the but in retrospect, it. It's totally fine, and nobody remembers the Connor at this. They did a stupid. When the president, thing. Connor, so we get my boyfriend's name is Tom. I'm sorry. It's really important if we're going to be in a tri- polytriad together <laughs> I mean, that you can
3: understand. I thought your shield. boyfriend was
1: Russell Brand. What prison Brand. should be built and filled? Ah, voter
3: fraud must be
1: concealed. to God? That's very fluid of you. When the president
2: Indeed, talks God, I, uh, I wonder which one the better I don't know if you guys know this, but two the is actually cop. the biggest number. We
3: should find <laughs> some jobs, the ghettos broke. I got some fluids no, they're for you. George. I say we don't. Just give her more liquor stores and dirty I'll show you fluids. Cups. That's what God recommends. He did so good. When the president talks to god do they drink near beer and go play golf while they pick which countries to invade which muslim
1: souls still can be saved all right so, so good. let me just say this about that so i think that there is something... i'm like
0: sweating in my underwear right now <laughs>
1: uh, no comment <laughs> um Uh, There is one, I would say, like, one really good impulse that exists on the American left, and I will even include, like, liberals in this. I'm not sure Connor Oberes has, like, the most advanced politics, but he's got got some good instincts or whatever.
0: I know every word to every Bright Eyes song. His politics are basic AF, but I love him.
1: I mean, I think that
2: that at least... Three copies of of Marx's Capital are actually really thoroughly annotated.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I never listened to that record. Uh, the one where he talks about there, okay.
0: no, there were some moments on I'm Wide Awake. It's morning that really captured the zeitgeist of the time, and I'm not even being facetious when I no, say that.
1: I, I think as we've we've talked about before, the um from the time I'd say between 2001 and 2008, 2009 were dark fucking times. Like whatever you had to do to get through that, and for Conor O'Brist to stand up and do this on Leno, you know, I, I have huge respect for that. Um, You know, it was was very controversial at the time. Um,
0: It's crazy to think about that now.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like, Um, I feel
0: like younger millennials don't realize... What the culture was like back then, like it was not a good time for anyone to be different.
2: I mean, I can hardly, anyway, I can hardly remember, like, you know, right after he went on Jay Leno and sang that song, like, you know, on on, on news everywhere, people were running over Bright Eyes records with steamrollers and
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was like the disco sucks,
2: bonfires,
0: yeah, Yeah. Yeah, him and the Dixie chicks, right? (laughs) That's that's the joke.
1: Well, I think that. (laughs) You know, I think that's go- the joke. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, and more on the bright eyes tip. Yeah. Go at ahead. the same Finish time, off your at the same time, at the same damn time, my boyfriend released another album that was totally fucking different, called Digital Ash and a Digital Urn, and it kind of got mediocre reviews at the time. Like, I'm Wide Awake It's Morning it was more his lane. It was very like in the tradition of like protest country folk music. Digital Ash and Digital Urn was. Like aesthetically much more in line with the times, right? Because he was very uh he worked very closely with the Faint. They came up together in um, Omaha, Omaha on yeah. Saddle Creek Records. They mm-hmm. toured together. I saw them on that tour and the faint totally stole the show. Of course. And they then did. when Bright Eyes went on and did digital ash songs, like the energy went through the toilet, but like that's a hard act to follow. But um it was much more in line with the times in the way that it sounded. It was very electronic and nihilistic. Songs like Lover I Don't Have To Love, which were just about like him stumbling around New York just like trying to numb himself out with drugs and casual sex. And that was the flip side to this era and it's actually kind of impressive that he was able to do both those things at once. You know, like he was politically conscious. He knew what was fucked up. He had a pretty good sense of it even if he wasn't always the most specific in his wording and at the same time Digital Ash was an album about all the ways people tried to deal with that time period that feeling of utter hopelessness and powerlessness like that was a very formative experience for a lot of us that are in our generation I think like we protested the Iraq war I did that in high school millions of people protested the Iraq war it was all over the television news and it didn't do shit
1: we stood in i was on i think it was on 1st avenue i think the new york city march in 2000, 2003 had i don't know how many hundreds of thousands of people and uh absolutely nothing and the demoralization after that was uh was was pretty brutal i have to say
0: i mean it's possible that we're just making excuses for our own irresponsible behavior in yeah. our 20s but like no, I, I really feel like that was a huge part of it
1: and i think if you look at um you know how deranged uh politics got at that time and how deranged culture got and certainly my life got really deranged too you know some dark nihilistic periods of my life at that time you know what was there really good that was going on we had this horrific war you know we had um not only you know americans dying over there but you know hundreds of thousands of iraqis dying uh our their surveillance state really picks up at that point in time um, civil liberties such as they are, you know, squashed uh, at home. You war had vi-
0: crimes, Abu Ghraib.
1: Oh, God, yeah. And I, these I,
0: people were never held to account.
1: Of course, I, no, and I remember the fucking, you know, I, re- I was old enough, I think I'm a little older than you guys, but I was old enough that I was, you know, reading the newspapers leading up to the war and just watching this, you know, I'd listened to, because I got into the punk rock and shit, listened to enough Noam Chomsky and read enough, you know, Howard Zinn, by this point in time to know that I opposed this war and to know that something fucked up was happening and that consent was being manufactured. And it was like this slow motion disaster as you know, over the course of, you know, a couple of years, you see your city be attacked and destroyed and then Afghanistan being invaded. And then you see the lead up to the Iraq war and um, the failure of the protest to it. And then just this, this deep and utter, uh, I think, despair, um, across the country politically. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't think that music is immune from that and culture is not immune from that. I think that what you see coming out of that time is a reflection of that. And, you know, I don't think Colin, uh, Connor, mm-hmm. I keep trying to call him Colin Oberis. I don't think Connor Oberis is that, is that the a
0: microaggression against my boyfriend?
1: I used to like Bright Eyes too a lot. Thank
4: okay, okay. But no,
1: I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I think that. Um, You know, people like him and even Michael Moore, I'll give it, you know, remember he he got up to the Academy Awards and he did an anti-war thing in 2003. You know, I give respect for people that fought in the trenches like that publicly because, you know, public opinion was really tamped down if you were anti-war. And not for nothing,
0: like Sam and Janine, they were in those trenches too. Yeah,
1: no, Mm -hmm. Sam Cedar and Janine Garofalo, mad respect. People would
0: yell at them in the streets during that time. It's crazy to think about now.
2: I mean, in the shadow of like 9-11 and stuff like that, I can't imagine what it was like to actually be like an like an active, like outspoken, especially a public figure like an anti war activist at the time. But I mean, I don't actually remember what the actual like approval rating for the war ever was, but it wasn't very high. Maybe it, what right? I mean, the yeah, thing. Can the, look it up. I mean, I guess the thing the thing that I wonder, and maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe it was really high. I mean, I mean you know, George W. Bush got reelected, but I mean, that has more to do with the fact, as I understand it. That John Kerry never actually came oh, out against Jesus the, war. the Christ. Entire anti-war movement. It's like so much higher him. than I thought it was.
1: Yeah, it's oh, was actually it really? yeah. As I recall, it's worse than you think because of you know this. Um, when I say lead up to the Iraq War, what I, I mean actually is like complete and wow. utter propaganda across all networks, buying into this narrative. You know, supposedly you know the establishment media, like the New York Times, which does real journalism yeah. and all that shit. Feeding into it, the Washington Post. It was like wall to wall. Like yeah. Saddam did 9-11. Yeah, well. the New
0: York Times. They are well, extremely culpable in that mess, well, and they still, We dragged
1: the shit out of them on, yeah, on the episode two. they too, still haven't they,
0: really owned up to that. Do you know how many people have
1: fucking blood on their way. hands? You know, even I'm sorry, but their rhetoric. Right. The David Frums of the world who's now in the hashtag fucking resistance. You know, the fucking John Bolton, who's now back in some fucking administration. Right These there. people have fucking blood on their hands. Right.
0: And it's Not Democrats fault as well as Republicans. It is.
2: Well, and that's the thing. Right. Is like I mean, I guess like part of I mean, I guess
0: I mean, I do you sh- want to know the approval rating before we continue?
2: Oh,
1: God, it's God. so Go much
0: higher than I thought it was. But I'm also not surprised because I remember what the fuck it was
2: like the back approval, then. The approval rating at the outset of the... At the... In
0: 2003, Yeah. the Gallup took a poll. 72% of Americans support the war against Iraq. Bush approval up 13 points to
2: 71%. I mean, jeez. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Again, the the heroism of people who stand against that because that's that's yeah. not just a majority. That's like a... Like everyone critical mass really I mean, um, The thing
2: is, it's hard to remember what that was like because the war is still going on and certainly nobody approves it I mean even like I mean even Trump was like ran on a platform of like this war was a bad idea it was a stupid idea I mean the thing is that's like as like shocking is that like people could just be so thoroughly duped it's hard to imagine but
0: and people have major amnesia about it now
2: yeah totally. and part
0: of that is fucking President Obama's fault for just letting it go and not holding any of these criminals responsible in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I'm still holding out hope that they will eventually... Like, there should not be a statute of limitations on that stuff. But it's going to take a revolution, probably.
1: Look, if uh, Henry Kissinger can win the Nobel Peace Prize and one of these days die peacefully in his bed, (sighs) then that means that barring some... Political upheaval, these people are all gonna just get away scot free. They'll be fine. They're murderers and fucking uh sociopaths and uh you know, they'll just go on their merry way, make lots of consulting fees and uh leave everybody else with a mess to clean up.
2: This is the uplifting episode this is the uplifting portion of the episode.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Aaron <laughs> so what,
0: what upbeat tunes did you enjoy as a young sprat in well, Detroit? <laughs>
2: Um, I mean, I guess, like, around around that time, um, I'm thinking, like, when I think about music that really radicalized me, I think a lot about, like, I mean, what I talked about earlier, like, some of the more, like, maybe cheesy elements of, like, punk music, like, anti-flag and stuff like that, but, I mean, sooner or later, I ended up, like, hanging out more at, like, uh, there was a really great, do you guys remember info shops? Mm-hmm. Anarchist mm. bookstores?
0: Remember? We, they're still around.
2: Are they still around? I mean, they yeah. st- but they're like... Someone
0: asked me the uh, a little while ago if The Base was an info shop when I was at an event in The Base. Oh, and I wow. was like, yeah, it is. I guess
1: it is. Yeah. The Base, if people don't know, it's uh, The Brooklyn Base. You can find it on Facebook and online. It is uh, Friends of the Show. They run pretty a, cool. uh, pretty cool. info shop slash... Um, Anarchist, but also you know socialist and communist friendly uh, organizing space in uh, yeah. Bushwick.
0: All denominations welcome.
1: I think info shops are still big in Europe. You oh, know, yeah. I guess I just
2: wonder if they're called info shops. Like when I was in Barcelona, I went to like the CNT bookstore, but it's just like you know, like a revolutionary syndicalist bookstore. It's not like, but it actually an had the feeling shop of an info by shop, any to be other really name honest. would
0: be as woke. <laughs>
2: um. I started hanging out at an info shop in detroit called Idle kids and we started booking like punk shows and stuff like that there hell yeah yeah it was really incredible um and so i quickly like you know found my way to like better political music um this wasn't a song that i listened to a lot at that point in like 2006 but one of the songs that i suggested that you put on is uh hate the police by the dicks
1: that's very appropriate since uh stefan clark uh they just found out that he was shot Eight times in the back and in the side in uh, Sacramento. The autopsy, which was an independent autopsy by the way, by the family, not the police, um, stated that he was shot in the back. Which uh, fucking is animals! One reason to hate the police.
0: Motherless swine.
1: So let's go ahead, uh, hate the pigs. <laughs> so problematic faves
0: or just lame ones
1: yeah lame faves so
0: um another band that i think me and sean both started out liking ironically but we listened to it so much that we played ourselves because now we like them for real
1: we owned ourselves is
0: a political protest band called system of a down ever ever heard of them erin
2: uh, I've only listened to their acoustic stuff.
0: <laughs> All right. Well,
2: System of that's, Down. Unplugged. that's a
0: good start. It's a very good start. Um, up until the Kardashians happened, I think they were also probably the most famous Armenians in American popular culture. Do you oh. think Serge Tankian is sit in his room like damn you kim kardashian
4: <laughs>
0: <laughs> it is entirely possible
1: oh my I, mean, I don't know how much uh, inter armenian feud you know rivalry there is but it's entirely possible
4: sugar do
0: beep beep i'm With- sure there's there's room for benny Armenians. Are we gonna listen culture? to some chop suey? I think we are. Are we gonna
1: listen to the toxicity? Oh my it?
0: God. It's like asking me to choose between my children.
2: <laughs> See? I remember watching you guys do this at like, karaoke? And it was both <laughs> impressive, and, uh, pretty
1: <laughs>
0: terrifying. Oh, for those who don't know, we sing karaoke at least once a
1: week. The thing I think uh, our relationship system is down is similar to uh, Alex Jones. Up Not up. turning this Turn music up, up, up is violence.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Look at that guy, he's like up so crazy! He's weird! He's a DCI guy.
3: Also, you know, this is a very you know. But
1: I think that this goes down, our love for it is similar to Alex Jones' career. Like, I think Alex Jones oh started God. off. Put a I, I just
3: have to pay away the shake up. What you need to keep on the table? <laughs> <laughs> I you. it. I a little
1: makeup. You want, the you want to yeah. I, just yeah. I just have to fade away the shake up. You oh, want to you leave the kids up on the table? You want oh, to do Why not make it trust? Oh, sorry. I can't help seeing it. Why? You're so know, was, a similar to Alex Jones. I, I think I they like, started off just crying you know, like, uh, you know, Angels deserve to I, to the and, uh, with you. Oh, oh,
0: I like, I like, I
3: to I Self-righteous Suicide I cry When angels deserve to cry In my right? Self-righteous Suicide I agree with that, it's not like I get a lot of dummies, you know what I'm doing Angels deserve to cry <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what he, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know what he's <laughs> I into <laughs> your hands I commend my spirit. I into your <laughs> hands I have you forsaken a... me In your I me In your I forsaken me In your commend forsaken me I commend my spirit. I I I Yeah. Oh my God. He, uh, that would be
0: He uh he gave him a shout out during an address for a Medal of Honor recipient. Medal of Honor. Jonathan it. Davis did not get the Medal of Honor. <laughs> but he got... got he got two
1: horns. He got two horns. In the past, Davis
0: has been vocal about his political dislike for Obama, calling the President an Illuminati puppet <laughs> <back> in 2011. <laughs> Uh-oh. Speaking uh, of Alex Jones... You should hang out with Billy today, more. Davis oh refuses to discuss the comment or whether his stance has changed. <laughs>
3: on
1: the Illuminati? We all have
0: our, we all have our views on the president, he says. We
1: I'm not our, going
0: to take this. We all have and our views on the,
1: on the triple parentheses Rothschilds. <laughs>
0: yeah, we shouldn't keep out the like, David Icky acolytes who think the president is a lizard or the former president is a lizard person. We have to build just our coalition. Because, you know no, what? We all... <laughs> we, everyone's got their own religious beliefs. That doesn't mean they can't be in our coalition. We
2: all know that the president, who is not born in the United States, controls the world economy from a, str- from a dreidel in
1: space but you <laughs> know, Yo, is that I'm open-minded about this. <laughs> Space Dreadle is a great band name, by the way.
0: Oh, <laughs> add that to the list. Hell
1: yeah, put it on that list. Oh. Yo, uh, I think, you know, um, that was my handle in, on AIM.
2: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh. oh, shit. Um, I think that one thing we can all agree on here, and I, I think Aaron, you were saying you were, uh, you were into like old school uh, Chicago uh, house. I mean,
2: I have I mean, I'm not like super into it, but I, I, I mean, I think it's something that, you know, a little bit about, like growing up like in Detroit, like from like osmosis or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I had friends who were super into that shit, too. And I, I definitely there was some real crossover in the, um, the late 90s between like raver culture and hardcore culture because both of them were skateboarders and both of them wore Jenkos. Ooh, and, uh, ooh
0: I know where this is going. I know where this is going. I you know
1: where this is going. Where's it going?
0: Are you gonna talk about how? Okay, Um, fun fact about Uh, my husband.
1: Who uh, had the biggest jinkos? He
0: knows how to rave dance better than anyone I've ever met in my life. In fact, if I still had, if I still had that video of him raving out naked to (laughs) Austin. Like I, hi, as, hi, I would definitely use that as a patron reward because it is amazing. We could make another one. Well,
1: my 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 friends, uh, like I said, they were like hardcore and punk kids, and they worked in this fucking head shop, and. Uh, when it would get slow and they weren't selling crack pipes or, like, fish t-shirts or whatever the fuck, (laughs) uh, they would um, get glow sticks and they'd practice their fucking rave dancing. And I didn't have anything else to do. We'd, like, skate outside for a while, then we'd go in. Now is the time
0: uh, at up in which we dance. Was it like that? Was it like sprockets?
1: It was like sprockets. It was a (laughs) sprockets-type situation. Actually, my first rave, I want to say, yeah, I got to say, was... The same friends we went to a Raven Stapleton on Staten Island, you know Wu Tang Hood, and uh, I think I got beat for ecstasy like four times in one night. It was pretty impressive. Beat? Yeah, like. want to translate
0: but, that for the squares in the audience.
1: I'm pretty sure that like I saw like somebody sold me a pill that said E on it for twenty dollars, and it was Excedrin. <laughs> 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 but that was the problem with press pills back in the day. You never knew what you were gonna get, you know.
0: Yeah, unlike now. When all drugs are straight from a government laboratory,
1: nobody ever cut my fentanyl with heroin. <laughs> oh, sorry, too soon. No one ever cut up. my baby yeah.
0: laxative with cocaine.
1: I mean,
2: I, never. <laughs> <laughs> We're all making terrible decisions. Say it, yeah.
1: say
4: it, say you it. Do it. Nine <laughs> o'clock, Saturday after night. hours. Saturday
1: and night, Antipoda, after dark. Up all night how much
2: plaster have you snorted up your nose? <laughs> <laughs> how much <Enough>. you got? <laughs>
4: <laughs> so
2: yeah, <laughs> my, 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 my like, cyberpunk novel is just going to be like, instead of everyone just being on uppers, people are just like dying to snort it,
1: like plaster. <laughs> I tell you, I snort tons of grout at work <laughs> all day long mm-hmm. just because it's in the air. But uh, yeah. So f- work sounds lit. Yeah. Yeah. My work is so lit. Um,
0: EDM, EDM. So, so I think we can all agree that EDM is not for us.
1: Yeah, Maybe. it's for some people.
0: Like, uh, it's really the first music that I haven't really been on board with, and it made me feel kind of old when it happened. Like I did a month long, and it's it sucks because that's like a really – I mean, not like mainstream media, but like the underground electronic music scene in New York right now is popping. And that's where a lot of the innovation is. Its culture is really queer and inclusive and great. And And DIY. And DIY. I just can't get down with the music. Like I did a month long thing when I was writing for MySpace a few years (laughs) back uh, where I went to every show at 285 Kent and wrote about it for a month. And like, there was so much, there was so much rave shit that happened that month. And I tried so hard, so hard to get into it, but I just couldn't
1: do it. There was also when we, remember when we stayed in Berlin for a while too, we went to the famous Bergheim.
0: Yeah. Well, that's different. That's like old school, hard, it's hard techno. Yeah. But I also am not into that. However. Which
1: room at Bergheim was your
2: favorite room? (laughs) Panorama. Panorama. The,
0: the, no, the room where you go to lie down when you do too many drugs. And, I would say, judging by, on yourself. judging by the amount of time I spent there, that room was probably my judging, favorite.
1: Judging by the amount of time I I vomited on myself in that room, I'd also say it was my favorite.
0: So one thing that helps when you're trying to get into electronic music, you guys may or may, or may, or may not know this.
1: Excedrin. But,
0: so, sometimes you might meet a Spanish girl in the bathroom who has some excedrin to sell you and you should be really careful because the excedrin in berlin is not like the excedrin you get in new york it's,
1: it's way stronger much more caffeine oh, way God. more acetaminophen yeah uh, it'll really put a, you gotta be careful yeah, that's all i will put a dent in you but i i think that you know one of the one of the things that ties together a lot of our stories right um in terms of coming up with music and then also you know, how our politics related to us growing, not just as people, but also as, you know, political subjects, is this sense of they're lacking a community, right? There's mm-hmm. a certain not even a certain, there's a real degree of um alienation, not just in the Marxist sense, but in the actual, you know, suburban ennui and the sense of like atomized individuals and in the sense of you know, capital is this um, acid that dissolves community, dissolves family, dissolves uh, closeness with one another. More and more of our transactions become commercial transactions or, you know, based around uh, commercial uh, interactions. But I think that music, um, when you're a kid, and even nowadays, too, uh, helps to create a sort of, um, you know, a community, a fictitious community, an imagined community, right, as... Benedict Anderson said, like when I was in the punk scene, for example, you know, we'd go to punk shows, they'd be selling the records and the patches and shit like that. People would be dressing relatively the same and you felt like you were part of something, right? You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't a movement per se, but it was, you know, you know, a thing, a scene, right? You were in the scene. Um,
0: and not just community, but like some form of transcendence as well.
1: And transgression.
0: Like, yeah, that too. It's, but it's like a communal transgression. Right, yeah. So, you know, people like to duck shit on that and say like, oh, punks, you're different just like everybody else. But like, yeah, sure. I mean, what what is our what are our politics about if not convincing large groups of people to transgress against the current norms, the current paradigm
1: and also come together to create things, new things, you know, whether that's like new shitty three chord power. Uh, three, <laughs> three power chord songs, or whether it's you know, Medicare for all, or overthrowing the value form, or whatever the fuck. It I mean,
0: we were talking about it. this a little bit with Ross Wolf in our episode that probably has not been released yet. It'll
1: probably be released like after this one. The
0: um, the thing that's missing from atheist Marxism mm. is that sense of transcendence that people used to get and still, to some degree, get from religion, and religion's kind of on its way down in a lot of ways but like marxism has not really had a convincing answer to that yet like i guess they tried to have some like stalinist state holidays during the holidays that used to be about saints or whatever but like let's be real here i'm not, i'm not sure how well those worked for people and something like music or whether it's electronic music or drone music, or punk music. Like, it gives people that, like, I was asking Ross Wolf before, like, how do you do that that sense of transcendence, that sense of mystery, that sense of community without God as Mm. an organizing concept? And I think, for me, music is one of the ways. Like, when we went to Basilica last year, or this past fall, and saw, fuck, the trilogy of John Mouse, Blank Mass, and Zola Jesus was like every part of the human experience and probably some godly experiences as well rolled into one like i just felt like i was having a full body orgasm the whole time granted i was tripping pretty hard on 2cb but (laughs) it was uh, it was amazing
2: well like i uh you know i'm 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 reminded of like uh, going to shows at like a uh park church co-op like when i would see like some ambient like shows there recently and i think i think they're closing down too right
0: are they?
4: Fuck.
2: Everything's closing down
1: eventually. But I mean, like, like, by in, in the next two years or so, everything will be shut down.
2: I mean, it is like a pretty like. I mean, you're. It is just like taking your analogy like very concretely, right? But I, it, it, I mean, you do kind of like realize that feeling of like the way that like musical community or sort of like sub like the community of a subculture does replace the sort of traditional role of a religious community um, for you when you are like sitting in a. Religious building, you know, uh, like sitting down, and just like listening to like really chill ambient music, and just having that sort of like spiritual connection to the music or something like that. But also, like, I mean, re- obviously, like religion itself has like a long tradition of like musical, right? Yeah,
1: uh, and ritual, yeah, and, and people coming together, and yeah,
0: like there's no reason we can't still have that stuff.
1: Well, I would go, e- I'd go even God into it. I'd go even farther too, because you know, I, I've seen. I've been fortunate to see a, a lot of really good um, shows and concerts in my life. And I don't, I, I have to say for myself personally, the feeling I get when I'm in a crowd of like thousands of people mm-hmm. and we're like taking Fifth Avenue or, and we're, we're like marching up the street and we're all chanting as one. And the feeling I get at like a gigantic concert when everybody's all together and the music's fucking blasting, everybody's feeling and everybody's dancing. You know, those two feelings, I'm not saying that they have the same intent, you know, or that they have the same uh, outcome, right? But there is a feeling when you fall into the crowd, when you're part of a situation that sort of breaks that norm, that breaks that normativity, where everyone's coming together collectively as as one, that's very similar to one another. And I'm not saying that, you know, concerts are revolutionary or or whatever, but I am saying that, you know, movements, uh, especially when they're um, out in the streets, they can sort of mimic that feeling you get from music and vice versa, right? The sense, like you said, of oneness, of being together, of transgressing, of ritual, and maybe... You know, I can't say how the uh, I'm not the, the what's it what do you say the the cook of the kitchens of the future. it's pronounced cook. Cook, yeah. <laughs> I'm not the cook for the kitchen. There's oh, aren't feature. you? I mean, I've been cooked Thanks. once. Connor
0: Ober's got something to say about yeah, that. I know. I've I'll been call cooked, back. I've
1: been cooked at least thrice this episode. <laughs> Uh, wait but,
0: who's the third
1: uh, the guy from System of a Down oh. <laughs> the one with the weird oh, eyebrows Serge, of course. Yeah, I saw the look in your eyes when you were watching that
4: video mm. nah, but
1: I, I would say that you know, there's, there's definitely um, uh, something needs to replace um, the ecstasy of religion in the community uh, that's the false community I, sh- I, was, I should say that's uh, created by um, you know, religious uh, fervor and things of that sort. That said, though, I mean, I think that we're all about to get onto a, a more general topic, but, um, you know, I, in terms of religion, I, I'm not as anti religious as many people are. I um, think this is a battle that, you know, the lines were put down in the 19th century when in a lot of the countries where um, radical movements, where anti capitalist movements were growing. Uh, clericism was a huge deal and fighting against uh, religion and fighting against uh, that conception was, you know, became I think rightfully a huge part of what people were uh, trying to create which was a more egalitarian and more um, equal and uh, more collective future uh, whether you call it socialism communism anarchism or whatever it is but um, you know I think there's nothing more I don't know just trite and boring than these new atheists you yeah. know that started coming out uh like two thousand four two thousand and five um and I think that the the best example of that is Christopher Hitchens, right because Hitchens was you know to some extent uh one of us for mm-hmm. uh for most of his life right mm-hmm. and then he comes down on the side of uh the Iraq war where he gets that um you know, tingle up his thigh when 9-11 happened. He got he the finally, brain worms. He got the toxoplasmosis of, uh, you know, wanting to destroy Islamic fundamentalism and fascism and all that shit. And um, when the Iraq war fell apart, um, all he had to fall back on because he would abandoned left positions was uh, religion. So he starts writing all these books before his death in the last decade before his death, you know, uh, attacking religion, because as somebody who had a materialist perspective, but and then fell into a neocon right wing trap with the Iraq war and then felt compelled to defend that position. The only thing he had to fall back on was this new atheism that arises. And I think that we need to have, (laughs) let me just say, a more nuanced position on this, because uh, I don't know.
2: Well, there's this whole idea. I mean, you know, I mean, I guess like part of the, I mean, the sort of the, the, the foundation of like the Marxist criticism of religion, at least comes down to like, an, like a, you know, a quote unquote materialist understanding of like, where does like religious sort of like uh, fantasy or what is religious like, where does the, the, like this sort of religious desire come from? And it comes from like a desire to have um, a desire for like the rectification of like your oppression for freedom for liberation for equality for community all the things that we're talking about it, you know and in, in like classical marxist philosophy there's this distinction that's drawn between like a materialist understanding of the world and an idealist understanding of the world so how do you criticize people's uh how do you criticize ideology how do you criticize you know um, uh, wrong attitudes how do you understand you know uh how do you understand the fact that you have like You know, uh, that most people understand the world from like a religious perspective um, when, you know, that doesn't hold up to like scientific evidence and stuff like that. Well, you know, what is society, you know, what, what, what is it about the social structure of society that produces those kinds of ideas? Um, The new atheists just like completely approach it from this, from this perspective, like, well, everyone's just, you know, like, I'm smart. I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. Everyone else is a fucking idiot. So, like, I'm Ricky Gervais. I'm going to, (laughs) like... I got a fedora. I have a fedora. I'm going (laughs) to, you know, I'm going to, like... Uh, write like atheist on my chest in blood and like crucify myself on a microphone stand. Have you seen that picture? It's no. so fucking embarrassing. Oh my God. Uh, maybe, that'll be Gervais. Gervais. maybe that'll
1: be the art the art for our podcast. Yeah. These
2: guys are like <laughs>
1: <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. These it's Yeah, uh, they think
0: that religion is a force unto itself independent of the material conditions that give rise to it. And it's kind of dismissive of the very real purpose that religion serves for people and the questions that it's answering not the least of which is a you know what purpose does your life have because you know in the absence of somebody telling you this is the way it is we have to create our own meaning we have to create our own stories um and that's something religion does for people it's also not for nothing what happens when you die like we're all gonna die that fucking sucks I I hate hate that I'm going to die. The the only way that it doesn't completely ruin my life all the time is I'm like, well, it's probably not going to happen for a really long time, though, so I can put that off until later. (laughs) But like, I get it. Like, It's a hard thing to deal with. I remember when I was a kid, and I'd be worried about how I'm going to die someday, and I would think stuff to myself like, well, I haven't even gotten my period yet, so I'm probably not going to die for a really long time. (laughs) And now I'm like... Well, I got my period, but I haven't uh, I haven't had any kids yet. So, yeah, I don't got to think about that.
2: There was an article that came out um, maybe a month ago in The New Yorker written by Rachel Aviv about what does it mean to die that covers like.
0: Oh, God, that that fucked me up.
2: Uh, Jesus Christ. That's like every article. God. What
1: what was it about? It was bad? It hurt? um,
2: Well, it was about like sort of like clinical definition of death. Like overall, but like, but like, in talking about that, kind of like illustrates the sort of like cultural difference about that, but also like through, uh, through like a, a, a story about, um, like a young African American woman who was basically suffering from, you know, who, who is le- like technically brain dead, but whose family didn't like want to take her off of like medicine. Uh, yeah. And like, a blood lot blood of support. it, like
0: they admitted, a lot of it had to do with the fact that the hospital, uh, they say that the hospital caused her death through their negligence, yeah. and oh, like might have. looked like, a lot I like racial bias. So. Yeah, so yeah, like, like racial inequality it was in the medical. Sort of system. a reaction to that that kind of drove her mother a little bit insane, I think, because she's been keeping her on life support despite her being. Technically dead she has like there were some signs
1: of consciousness right like Uh, like she doesn't
0: stand any chance of recovery at all but once in a while there's a little movement or a little bit the machine will pick up a little bit of brain activity
2: but like in some cases in response to her mother like asking her to do something so her mother so like after like three months of brain death her mother's like you know what's the what's the fu finger darling and then like her middle finger will like wave and it's like
1: what the like yeah no that's that's wild i'm not shit. gonna
2: be able to sleep tonight now because i well,
0: I heard from a i heard from a scientist about it and they're like don't worry she's dead that's the the brain <laughs> activity worry. doesn't mean anything <laughs> don't worry
1: we all die <laughs> but like
0: damn yeah damn i mean i'm a lay person i can't well, evaluate the science like in the, it
1: but the,
2: the thing that i find like so like i have like some close friends of mine that are religious that are like really cool who are like on the left who have like good politics who like have the right positions on like all the right issues um but who like I mean you know I'll go out drinking like this happened to me recently with like a good friend of mine where we're like out drinking and you know I'm like like I'm, I'm like still flabbergasted I'm like so you believe in God like and he's like yeah and I'm like that's cool um, you know and I don't really go much deeper into it but I'd fucking rather hang out with like chill ass i mean most religious people probably are like pretty chill pretty cool mm.
1: like I'm like
2: basically <laughs> how culture. many religious people
0: have you I met mean, like, I mean,
1: well most people in america are religious so most of yeah. the people you meet are there, to some yeah. extent
0: I mean, I there think are like certainly a, good ones and bad ones
2: i'm pretty like i mean i i completely agree i don't know i mean maybe i'm like out of line but i do think that like probably for the most part like most people that are religious don't like shove it down other people's throats aren't like lunatics about it and I'd rather hang out with them on any given day than hang out with like some fucking you know like racist dude like base. Yeah, like well, actually, IQ yeah. scores no is there, are like, the bell add curve. Up. These fucking, like, me that These, Ad these fucking pedantic ass nerds that want to approach like every question of life from the perspective of like Neil deGrasse Tyson disproving some seating <laughs> like Well, that.
1: Bill Nye said. Yeah. yeah. yeah, fair yeah. Enough. No, that fair that enough. that's totally fair. I mean it's tough because um you know the original we talked you talked about uh, materialism versus idealism right the um i think we we're all versed in marx here but the original critique of religion wasn't that it was the an opiate of the masses that blinded people to the truth. Like it was that like like opiates, literal opiates, like, like a opiates scourge that on the
0: masses, an, an addiction yeah, problem it, but, that just no, creates a it, nation of zombies. It, if you
1: if you go back to the uh, contribution, what is it, to the critique of political economy or uh, philosophy of right. Philosophy of right. Yeah, philosophy of right. Uh, the way that Marx actually talks about it is 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 that um, it's a lot
0: more nuanced a, than people
1: think. Yeah, it's a it's a symptom. Uh, what does he say it's the, it's a heart and it's uh, the heart of a heartless world? Yeah, you want to a read soul the quote? Of a soulless condition. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, you know, he he says um, he's actually atta- attacking Feuerbach and the left Hegelians at this point in time, who thought by destroying religion they could essentially um, you know overcome human alienation. But what Marx actually says is that religious suffering is at one and the same time the expression of real suffering and a protest against real suffering. Religious is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world, and the soul of soulless conditions. It is the opium of the people. What he's saying is that religion, whether it's true or false, right, is this... um, real yearning for all the things we've been talking about the community uh reconciliation and really meaning right in this we know this hellscape right we say it right in the introduction this this horrendous world and i think that the you know what the conclusion Marx and marxists eventually come to right is that religion essentially takes human beings creative powers and it alienates them from ourselves and it puts them up on this pedestal as something external as something uh, godly as something beyond ourselves and with a movement of people taking back power for themselves of recreating the world in their human image that we can essentially overcome religion because the alienation of our creative and real potentials will be gone, so there won't be any need any longer for us to impose upon some fictitious God uh, our uh, desires and our needs in the future. Um, so it's not that, again, religion is an opiate and that, oh, uh, you know, people are dope sick over it. It's that it really does help with the suffering of, of this everyday life. So, w- with that understanding of it, with a materialist understanding of it, you see that. The world itself is flawed. The world itself has serious issues. And it's not the ideas that are making the world fucked up. It's that the world is fucked up. The capitalism's fucked up. The domination by the state, that domination by the boss is fucked up. And the way that we deal with it, one of the ways is that we deal with it with religion. So that's why I would agree with Aaron, you know, that, you know, to go on about, oh, uh, you know, you fucking idiots with your stupid sky guy and all that shit. You know, I went through that phase too and I was like when I was fifteen years old. Oh yeah. I went through you know, that phase like, when I was like eight. Or yeah. or when you're like your future base <laughs> and you're like forty seven. <laughs> <laughs> your career has failed.
0: Yeah, you know. Some of us mature <laughs> faster than others.
1: You're pulling a uh, who's the bop, bop, bop guy Dennis, Dennis Miller. Miller? Yeah, you're pulling a Dennis Miller uh, where your career fails and then you just take a complete U-turn and yeah, um,
2: Ricky Gervais thinks his shit is new, but you know I wrote atheist on blood on my chest and wrapped a microphone stand around me and crucified myself on it when I was 15. I thought that was a
1: junior prom. I thought that's why you won the uh, the king of the ball or whatever.
2: I think one of the things about like Marxist criticism of religion that I really like that like really. Well, this isn't like Marxism. I mean, this isn't like Marx talking. But I mean, just like I think something that like kind of falls in line with what he's talking about here is like when people talk like historically about the afterlife, it's not uncommon that like people's sort of own vision of the afterlife is often like a reflection of um, some form of abundance or some form of like having something that they lack here. So, like, say like um, you know like like peasants and feudal society or whatever. Like, oftentimes like you know the European vision of like heaven wasn't you know, uh, like I get to hang out with all my dead relatives and all this other stuff, or whatever people might think that it is. But it's like, it was often like, a, like you know, an abundantly uh, like an abundant harvest at your like on your farm or something like that, right? It wasn't. Um, and I just think that like it really speaks to what Marx is talking about when he talks about like religious suffering and being an expression of real suffering, right? Yeah. Like you're just looking for some sort of resol- resolution, and I think that having a um, like. I often think about like the Marxist criticism of religion uh, versus. Uh, do you guys know like Mikhail Bakunin and uh, sort of like the anarchist philosopher who wrote um, in God and God in the State uh, that um, uh, that if, if if it was true that God did exist, it would be necessary for man to abolish him, mm. which is both like the most metal thing that anyone's ever <laughs> said, but it's also like. I mean really speaks to a sort of like a sort of it, 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 that is like a common sort of attitude on the left that and this was something that like i mean this isn't just marx this isn't like strictly philo- philosophical i do think that certainly in like the 1920s and in the 1930s and and you know in soviet russia and other you know sort of like large socialist and communist movements there was like has been historically like a really hostile attitude towards uh towards like people who had some form of faith or were part of a religious community and seeing them as like reactionary um and on the other hand like i mean there's a lot of like problems with like you know say like uh liberation theology and like you know socialist communism and socialist like forms of uh or um sorry social um christian socialism and christian comm you know communist like sort of ideas but like
0: but- yeah and there are people who think that we need to uh form coalitions with uh, say liberation theologists who might not have um the correct views on certain basic human rights like, like women's re- for example rights. abortion
2: right this often comes up in like i mean especially that right and i don't think that like i don't think that in other words having like a sort of a, like an open attitude towards like building and working within like religious communities on the left necessarily that doesn't have to mean that we have to like lower the level of our politics and yes. meet someone meet everyone at like a sort of a lowest common denominator yeah that doesn't mean that we have to, like, ignore our differences. Um, but I do think that we have to have an attitude that doesn't – that uh, towards, like, sort of, like, religious people um, that just, like, understands that, like, um, that, that people can have these ideas but also, like – but also become radicalized and become, like, um, like a part of a movement that abolishes, you know, oppression and inequality. And that doesn't – I mean, I, I don't know. I don't necessarily know if, like, in a social society we'd have, like, religion or we'd have, like, faith. I think, I think we'd we have could, a lot
0: less of it.
2: Probably. I think it would just like change like how people understand it. I don't think it would go away
0: because so much of religion comes from people's underlying material conditions, and so much, like you said, so much vision of the afterlife is shaped by what we don't have here. But, like, there are questions that communism and science can't answer, of course, exactly. like, what yeah. happens after you die? Nobody fucking knows that.
2: So I think there's a way of like looking at religion that can like understand it as sort of like an added, like, you know, as, as Marx wrote, you know, a sort of, uh, the, 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 the sigh of the oppressed creature, the soulless, soulless conditions. But on the other hand, I think it's also like a uniquely human reaction to the, the, our, like our curiosity and our, our lack of knowledge about what happens after death, what Mm -hmm. happens after like consciousness ends. Like we have, like, we don't know the answers to that and the socialist revolution isn't going to provide the answers for that. But, um, so I think that we could have faith. We could have religion in a social society, but... Um, it
0: would look a lot different.
2: I think it would look a lot different. It would be uh,
0: interesting to see what that looks like.
2: We'll all wear, like, weird-ass tunics and... Drone. Drone music. Drone music. It'll just be Bergheim. Smoke DMT.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds great. Well,
1: I would say... I'd say one more thing on the topic, which is... Um, I think one of the more optimistic... Um, views in the 19th and early 20th century is that um, progress such such as it is, right? And uh, if you were a a Marxist, a communist, a socialist, you believed um, with this sort of linear conception of progress uh, towards some sort of end state. But um, capitalism itself, right, is this uh, incredibly dynamic, creative, and destructive force, right? And I think that the concept was that Capitalism would do a lot of the heavy lifting uh when it came to changing people's minds about um, mm. you know not only itself right change people's minds about what capitalism was and capitalism, how capitalism could end but also about human beings' relationship um, uh to the material but also you know the quote unquote spiritual world, which is to say that you know I think that um Capitalism as a deeply materialist mode of production right like a deeply um, How shall I say a deeply grounded? uh, Way of living one's day-to-day life, you know surrounded by this dance of of, uh, commodities and by Grubbing for money and going on Fiverr and selling yourself as this commodity right it is true that in a lot of the most advanced capitalist countries of the world, and the United States is the really big exception to this, that capitalism has done a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to getting rid of religion. If you look at rates of religiosity in the Scandinavian countries, it's like 10 to 15%. You know, If you look at it in Great Britain, it's not even that high. The Anglican church, something like 20% of 30% of people actually go to even high Mass, well, you know, at the this point, the U.S. is
0: basically a very fancy third world country uh,
1: at this point in time.
0: The, it's the ta- amount of there, inequality we have.
1: There is an actual argument for American exceptionalism when it comes to religion and when it comes to politics, because we just do have a very strange settler, settler colonial relationship to... Uh, I think
2: that what Jamie's saying, though, like, I, mean, I think there's a lot of like, uh, there's a lot to that where like we do have a society, like, those are societies that provide for their citizens to some degree, at least they like share the social wealth, like, you know, through the form of like a welfare state and you know, like, and what's left of like social democracy from like the post-war era, right? But in our society, we've never really had that, and not only have we not had that, but like, what we did, like, what forms of like social welfare we did have in this country were destroyed by a right wing that did cloak itself in the language of like Christianity and religion. Yeah, it's fair. Yeah,
1: no, that's mean, fair. I mean, weren't
0: you talking about the history the other day, babe, about why the church in America is so powerful still?
1: Yeah, it was, it was the exceptional, uh, argument. It was that, um, it, the U S revolution, um, did not have to overthrow a, uh, landed aristocracy. It was essentially a indigenous, uh, colonial aristocracy in a settler colonial society overthrowing a foreign king, right, so that they could then impose their ruling class uh, rights. We
0: had separation of church and state from the beginning. Yes, we did not have to alliance of the church and the state to overthrow at the same time. Our
1: our Mm. revolution did not have to fight feudalism and clericism at the same time, right? And I think that Aaron talked about this before, and I think your point is well taken, Jamie, that um, You know when you saw in the Spanish Revolution for example right like let's not sugarcoat it right the left <laughs> killed like hundreds and thousands of priests and burned down tons of fucking churches and that's not something to celebrate I mean p- killing Priest is not cool in most circumstances. Well, Burning down churches were is the only cool. Priests? They let's just call all the well, ones that died may have been like pedophiles. Yeah, actually, they, were they were actually they were literally they were literally sympathetic to fascism. And in Norway, um, you know, all the churches that got burned down, those were all associated with uh, neo-Thulean, um, Kantbot supporting um, psychopaths. So. We don't need to make any apologies. But no, the point is that in the 1930s, um, <laughs> and also in France, right, and in, in in Italy, the anti-clericism came because literally, as you say, the right wing was part of the ruling paradigm you know, that existed. So as people were trying to fight for democratic rights, they were also fighting against the Catholic Church. In the United States, because it was always separated church and state, you could have these fights for democracy that never ran up against a centralized, organized religious principle, which gave religiosity in the United States a lot of room to move around and get powerful and then and get weird. You and know, get
0: used for nefarious no, ends. Of course,
1: yeah. But Mormonism comes out of it, but also abolitionism comes out of it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, fucking. Um, The prosperity gospel comes out of it, but so does uh, fucking uh, Catholic unionism come out of it, too, you know, at the same time in the 19th century. So you can't, you know, in the United States, I think the history is just is just very, very different. Well, Um,
0: and a lot of religions um, give human life more value than capitalism does. Like they were talking about this on the Podcast with Russell Brand and Giannis I Love that, Russell, Russell Brand. Russell is kind of pushing him was on this your idea. Second
1: or
2: your third boyfriend. Or he was your <laughs>
0: first boyfriend. Um, we're he, in a quad
1: right now. He, um, and Russell's. Uh, he varies. You, you uh,
0: the, you millennials the places are, the are constantly shifting. I'm not
1: a millennial. She's Sometimes the one with all these boyfriends. One. Sometimes <laughs>
0: he's number one. Sometimes he's number four. By association. Sometimes he's number three. <laughs> She's yeah, very it's, fluid. It's sexually transmitted. <laughs> yeah. um, Tran- now,
1: transgressive.
0: They were, they were talking about. Shut up! <laughs> they were talking about. You're silencing me. They were talk, talking about like because Giannis is an atheist and Russell Brand is into all kinds of spirituality. I think and like he's asking him like if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in spirit, like how come? Where do humans get their rights from? Like how? How do you believe? What's your conception of uh, humans having value beyond? being a cog in the machine beyond the material beyond the physical um and also the idea that we're all connected we're all in it together and he said you know i take it on faith it's a matter of faith if i believed that you know all we were were a collection of molecules i would kill myself and i think that's like some people would call that spiritual and other people wouldn't i mean i don't think you have to be spiritual to believe that but it's true like if we don't derive our rights from some like God that exists independently of us, we just all have to believe in it and agree that humans have rights.
2: Well, I guess I'd like wonder like why like rights have to come from someone other than like ourselves in the first place. I mean, the fact is, is like we have like a, you know, we're said to have like a right to free speech, but we obviously don't like, like the government, like, uh, or like, you know, uh, public institutions or whatever, like pick and choose, Uh, like, public expressions of speech as, like, they see fit, like, at times that are convenient. Um, But, like, when we are able to express ourselves freely, it's a product often of, like, collective struggle, a recognition that we, like, you know, a recognition, like, on our own selves that, like, we believe... That we should be allowed to express ourselves, we should be allowed to think publicly, to act publicly, to say what we believe publicly. And if some outside force is preventing us from being able to do that, then that force is illegitimate and should be, you know, and should be stopped and 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 pushed back or or, or eliminated through uh, through popular and collective, you know, protests. So, I mean, I think, I mean, if I, if there is a certain like, if there is an idea or a conception of like rights as coming from some sort of source, then I mean, why not? Why isn't, uh, say, uh, why isn't solidarity a legitimate source for 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 rights? And why can't I mean, maybe perhaps like one can have like a certain sort of faith in the power of human solidarity and, demo- and democracy and struggle.
0: I mean, I agree with that, but like, I'm not an ethicist, but it's still like it's hard if you ask me to prove it. Like, you know, these alt-right dudes who are like. Oh, I don't believe that all humans have rights. I believe only the people, only white people have rights, or but know, if, only the people who deserve it have rights. I couldn't sit down and prove that to them that if, we have rights. It's just something that we all either. have to agree on <laughs> you, because most reasonable individuals can agree somehow that we do have certain inalienable rights.
1: Yeah, but do you, I mean I, I agree with you 100. percent And do you think that you know the Great Enlightenment thinkers from like Hobbes to Locke? Um, you know, and then up to the um, the great revolutionaries like Thomas Paine or Thomas Jefferson, did they have any proof for the conception of natural rights or inalienable rights handed down by our Creator? Well, some they of did them, not-
0: some of them did. I mean, not, they proof, had philosophical, not like hard proof, proofs. They, like, yeah. Some of them, definitely but there's nothing believed more. This stuff existed platonically, like yeah, independent sure. of us. So,
1: so if, if that's that was their best argument, and the Enlightenment ideals, a lot of you know those are to fight for in a lot of cases, especially in this time of deep reaction, right? But if they could just appeal to natural rights uh, given onto them by their creator which does not require any proof as far as I can see, maybe philosophical proof but not scientific material proof, then why can we not say we believe that rights are given by solidarity and collective struggle?
0: I mean, it's as good a source as any. That exactly, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right.
1: like, uh, but but doesn't this get back to the whole materialist versus ideation? It also has idea- to be provable. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because when we fight together, we do win our rights, exactly. which gets us back again oh, to this materialist versus ideationist sort of conception, and why you know a lot of these new atheist types you know are tilting against windmills is because ultimately, you know, the like workers didn't have the right to organize until they forced the state to recognize their right to organize through collective action. And then once that happened- Well, they
0: had the right. It just wasn't being recognized.
1: No. Mm. But who recognizes the right? They created the they right themselves. They mm-hmm.
0: other people to recognize it. Exactly. Like in countries where abortion is illegal, people still have the right mm-hmm. to an abortion. Mm-hmm. It's just not being recognized by the state.
1: mm mm-hmm. Well, they, there's all sort of end runs around it, but when they we were talking to somebody recently, who talked about uh, Polish women had a general strike against, um, you know, anti-reproductive rights. Yeah, but like that right,
0: right exists whether or not the state is recognizing it.
1: Well, it only exists to the extent extent that individuals within the collectivity can realize that, right? No.
0: Like, yes. No. There's no abstract independently. right independently. Yes, there. What? What are we fighting for?
1: We are fighting. The
0: concept is, it's an abstract concept. Like, just because somebody's not letting you do it doesn't mean you don't have the right to do it. And then people organize it around it but and why, then they get their but rights But recognized. why wasn't
1: abortion legalized in the 1400s instead of 1972 in the United States?
0: I feel like you have an answer for this.
1: Because of the women's movement. Mm.
0: You said why wasn't it legalized in the In the 1400s, 1400s yeah there was no women's movement asking for it to be legalized. Exactly. But that's, a, that's people were point. doing abortions. Of course. Though. And this is where I, this is, okay, if I have a religion. But they were also
1: dying and it wasn't safe and it wasn't acceptable.
0: Yeah. But,
2: but your well, point like, is that it was like a right even then. Yeah. Like, no. But I guess the problem is, though. I mean, this is like the sort of complicated thing though with like, kind of like rights discourse in the first place. Yeah. like, it's often an appeal. Like, I mean, I think for like propaganda purposes it's important to say like, this is a this is like a right that exists outside of us. But if we don't actually have it, if that right is being uh, obstructed by some you know, third party like the state or something, then that's something we have to struggle for in order to attain that yeah,
0: right. Yeah, it's necessarily right. abstract, and you have to take it as a matter of faith. And maybe that could be part of the new religion that we're going to create for leftists everywhere when we start our ayahuasca church upstate.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I agree with that 100%, but I, I think that actually what we're pointing...
2: International-based church of of ayahuasca. Hell yeah. It's going to be Marxist. It's going to be
0: not interdenominational. You know? It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or an atheist. You come to our ayahuasca church, and you have an experience of some description.
1: But ba- TBD.
2: You heard it here first,
0: folks. So <laughs> I think we Sign created...
1: Sign up on our Patreon. That's a two hundred dollar a month uh, donation.
0: <laughs> that's that's <laughs> like, the the master level. That's like the tenth level Patreon le, gets to be.
2: Let me just let me let me just say uh, in the sixties of like counterculture, like leftist groups, like forming like their own like insane religions. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I think Cesar Chavez was a member of like some really weird like Christian like subcult like uh, and turned like the I, there's like some chapter in a in a book about the history of the Ooh. United Farm Workers. That's fascinating about, like, Caesar Chavez is called.
0: Wow, Debbie and I went upstate to the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors a couple of years ago and they have all kinds of crazy psychedelic art by Alex Gray there. That's do you know about Alex Gray? Famous psychedelic all. artist from the 60s designed this amazing place. And uh, there is this one statue of this creature It had like boobs and wings and like claws and like some kind of sphinx head. And Debbie's like, if that's their god, I am down. <laughs> Whatever this is, this is my religion now. And I just feel like we could get a little bit of that going, you know? Well,
1: I, I wanna say, um, I think that you you thought we might have been disagreeing, but we were actually uh, agreeing, because I think that um, the same sort of uh, process of abstraction that creates a uh, god in some spiritual realm, that bestows humanity upon us and bestows us with our potential and our powers becomes secularized in the enlightenment, right? And it becomes this sense of these eternal rights that human beings have, right? That we, are, we still live in that world to this day, right? Of this world of natural rights where, you know, I understand that you could say that somebody in 1400 You know, had the right to have an abortion, just like somebody has the right to have an abortion. They had the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, yada yada yada, and that is true. Like we believe that that was that is and was true. Yeah, we have to have
0: a universalizing concept of rights. But Mm -hmm.
1: however, what what we want to go beyond is this bourgeois idea of rights, right? This conception of rights that's something that is bestowed externally, either by God. Hold on, either by God or by the state, right? that allows us to uh live under the conditions and have the ability to do things that we want to do and realize that the our ability to act which is our rights essentially the the are the inability of anybody to stop us from acting collectively in the way that we wish to to act is something that is won historically and through struggle Mm. Right. So when you fall back on bourgeois rights discourse, which is to say that like there is this sort of abstract right that exists up here in this realm and you can't take this away because it's my constitutional rights or whatever the case may be. We know when it comes to freedom of of speech, we know when it comes to all the different amendments, what the government could do to take that away. We know what, the, what capital can do, right? Once we walk into the workplace, what it can do to take our rights away to say like urinate when we have to urinate in the case of Amazon factory workers, right? So Or
2: like working at a grocery store.
1: Yeah, yeah, right? Like, like your freedom of speech walks out the window right? as soon as you walk on the, onto the shop floor, right? So I, I think the, the point is, is that rights are real, but we need to get past both the religious conception of rights and also the bourgeois conception of right, which is ultimately the enlightened, Enlightenment conception of right, and realize that, yes, you know, women's reproductive rights were important in the 1400s, but there's a reason why historically now we've come to the point where it's something that we have to struggle and fight for because it is a terrain of struggle, and that's the only place that rights are realized.
0: But how do you know what to struggle for, and how do you argue for it if you can't, if you don't because have you some have, absolute You have socialist principles.
1: Right. No, yeah, but because Where do
0: those come from? Where do
1: ethics come from is a whole different philosophical thing. I mean
0: the, the I, best I can come up with is it's like something that most of us who share these ideals can agree agree on.
1: I think we all have a negative critique. That's what the three of us agree on, right? Is our negative critique of the world that we don't want to see. And the the world that we don't want to see is one of uh, patriarchy, sexism, racism, capitalism, domination, and the state, right?
0: I mean, I guess it doesn't matter where the rights come from if there's a large group of people saying... We feel these. These are our rights. We want them, and we're going to take them. Fuck yeah!
1: That's exactly. What I was
2: thinking, yeah. yeah, that's what's. up. Yeah, off. fair enough. I'm, that's I'm the getting point. Getting a text of... from uh, the FBI. It's telling me. to, <laughs> telling to step outside, please. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so maybe we just need to create our own super lit religion based upon. Um, the let's space trail. Uh, the space dreidel, I think the it's called, sphinx uh, with boobs. Called historical uh, believe we are all in this together. <laughs> that is my religion. That is not a dodge <laughs> of the question.
2: Um, 99% of the space dreidels.
0: <laughs> I think um, you created a new religion.
2: controlled by the 1% of the Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> the could, lizard
1: people. <laughs> the lizard people as they are known to be called.
0: <laughs> you created a new religion this morning, babe. Remember?
1: No, what I create? Oh, oh wait. God. No, I think I know what you're talking about. Oh, my I was... God.
0: He's so cute when he's sleepy and horny. I know it's like <laughs> TMI, but he's like, oh, babe, come lie down with me. And I was like, okay, okay. I forget how we got on the topic of religion, but you're like, I created a new religion. It's called sexism.
4: <laughs> and I was like, babe, I think that...
0: Is already something. <laughs> I, I think that word is taken. It means some. It means something bad. I was it like no, something I, I was doesn't like, make me horny I was at like,
1: all. I was like no. It's like it's like the bad all, all words American that you re. wake up and are horny. <laughs> <laughs> I was like no. It's like the bad word that you reappropriate. You know, like they've been using sexism to talk about you know the effects of the patriarchy. I'm talking about sexism like ism. You know, like it's our religion. <laughs>
2: Oh, I get it. It's a little abstract in it first.
1: (laughs) I think I get what you're after now.
0: Neither did I. It's
1: about uh, being tired and... uh, And
0: then I saw the red light was on and I was like, oh,
3: oh (laughs) yeah.